0: And we were talking about spiritual stuff, and she found out that I was Christian, and she asked me something that I wasn't expecting. She said, so if you're a Christian, uh, what do you think sin is? And I said, why do you ask? Because I was curious where that came from. And she said, well, you don't follow Torah, what we would call the Old Testament, which is full of a lot of codes and laws and things to do, and so she wasn't sure you know, at least in her mind, I wasn't following that, so how could I break it? And I was sure tempted to go on to a theological montage about the unity of Scripture and talk about how actually the Old Testament is inspired by God, just like what we would call the New Testament, but I resisted that urge, and instead I replied simply, it's any time that I break shalom, and she immediately understood. We'll get back into that here in a second, but I'd like to read for you from Ephesians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 3. Paul says, and really praise, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now that is a very dense prayer, and I'm going to focus mostly on those last couple of verses, but it's a dense prayer, and it's really a prayer of celebration of the big picture, like the really big picture. I hear you guys are in the middle of a series where you're going book by book, big picture. Is that right? So today I'm going to do the whole Bible in like 25 minutes. And if there's time, there'll be a video clip at the end. So hopefully I can talk fast enough. But Paul is celebrating that big picture that every single smaller story fits inside of. Every story of spiritual journey, every story of Christian conversion, faith, obedience, life, and faith. In fact, even the much smaller stories fit inside this bigger story, which is a little different than saying we're trying to fit God's story into our story, right? The question there is kind of like who stands at the center of the universe, Do I stand at the center of the universe and I'm trying to fit God into my life? Or does God stand at the center of the universe and we're playing into that? The smaller stories fit inside of it. I imagine that most of you before you came to church brushed your teeth. I hope that happened. But what you didn't realize is as you were brushing your teeth, you were brushing your teeth to a cadence, to the cadence of Ephesians 1 verses 7 through 10. This is a big picture that takes us all the way back to the beginning of time. And I want to read to you a creation story, not first the one from Genesis, but one written by C.S. Lewis. In fact, this is one of my favorite pieces in all of literature. It's from the magician's nephew, which is part of a series that I imagine most of you have heard of, The Chronicles of Narnia, which they turned into movies. This book was actually written a long time after The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but it's a prequel to it. So I would actually encourage you to close your eyes as I read this, because it's quite visual. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice had begun to sing. It was very far off and away, And Diggory, the person who was witnessing it, found it hard to decide from which direction it was coming. Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath them. Its lower notes were as deep as to be the voice of the earth herself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune. But it was, beyond comparison, the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. It was so beautiful he could hardly bear it. Then, two wonders happened at the same moment. One was that the voice was suddenly joined by other voices. More voices than you could possibly count. They were in harmony with it, but far higher up the scale. Cold, tingling, silvery voices. The second wonder was that the blackness overhead all at once was blazing with stars. They didn't come out gently one by one as they do on a summer summer evening. One moment there had been nothing but darkness. Next moment, a thousand, thousand points of light leapt out, single stars, constellations, and planets. There were no clouds. The new stars and the new voices began at exactly the same time. If you had seen it and heard it, you would have felt quite certain that it was the stars themselves which were singing, and that it was the first voice, the deep one, which had made them appear and made them sing The eastern sky changed from white to pink and from pink to gold. The voice rose and rose till all the air was shaking with it. And just as it swelled to the mightiest and most glorious sound it had yet produced, the sun rose. The earth was of many colors. They were fresh, hot, and vivid. They made you feel excited until you saw the singer himself. And then you forgot everything else. It was a lion, huge, shaggy, and bright. It stood facing the rising sun. Its mouth was wide open with song." That's Aslan there standing, of course. And I love that it's creation by song because of the harmony. We find the same harmony in Genesis 1 verse 27 when it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. The phrase God blessed them is a loaded one. And this word blessing is actually very tightly knit with the word shalom, which is a Hebrew word. In Arabic, it comes out Salem, like Jerusalem. In English, we say peace. But usually when we use the word peace, we mean it in the very narrowest of senses. We mean peace as in the absence of war, which, by the way, if you were to draw a timeline all the way back uh, to the beginning of recorded human history, 4,000 years, and at every point on that line where there was war on the earth, if you were to color it red, we would have one continuous red line. And to have peace on the earth, especially if you were living today in a place like the Middle East, that would be good enough. But the Hebrew concept of peace, the biblical concept of shalom is so much bigger than that. The Bible is talking about perfect harmony. The Bible is talking about perfect peace. The Bible is talking about perfect unity between God and people. God gives shalom in the garden. Things are the way that they're supposed to be, and it is beautiful. And so in the world that God created, there is this harmony, and there is this music, and we're connected to God. And that's the first connection that I want to talk about today. Uh, You could even use, instead of the word connection here, relationship. But the metaphor I want to point you to is the umbilical cord. The first connection is the life-giving unity we have with our Creator. And we know what umbilical cords do. It's that connection between mother and child that makes life possible. It's a connection so intimate that the mother and the child share blood. Without this connection, without this life-giving, nourishment-giving cord, there would be no life. From this umbilical cord, the baby, the child gets everything that it needs to sustain itself. In the same way, God shared his spirit with us to give us life, and he created us for that same kind of intimacy and unity with himself. Connection 1: The life-giving unity we have with our created creator. Connection 2: The second umbilical cord is the inescapable unity we have with the creation. If you're a farmer, of course you understand this. If you're a gardener, you know what it means to get your hands into the dirt. Genesis 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And I would say that it goes a little bit farther than that. If you're Brian Van Zolan, Pastor Brian Van Zolen, he rides his motorcycle around <laughs> because he has this connection. He senses this connection that he has with the earth and the wind and the road and the sun. Any other motorcyclists in the house? I've heard they're really fun. I am not allowed to have one. (laughs) My wife works with brain-injured patients, and that's why. Um, But if you have a pet, if you have a dog, you know what it means to relate to an animal. If you have a cat, you know what it means to relate to an animal and not have to take the cat out for walks or uh, let it go potty outside. Which is a good opportunity to to show you this picture of our newest kitten. This is only our second one, um, Rue. And man, I mean, that's this is she's the the Shalom cat, isn't she? Isn't she cute? I, I thought I would just show this for you, Allison, my wife. Um, I used to hate cats. I just I thought they were the de- devil in animal form, but. Uh, yeah, so it's <laughs> it's not just farming, it's pets, but it's the rivers and the forests and everything else. The Bible says the whole earth is full of his glory. God is the creator and he did a good job. I don't need to belabor this point. Connection 1, the unity we have with our creator. Connection 2, the unity we have with the creation. The next two are related. The relation or the connectionship, <laughs> the connectionship. The relationship or the connection that we have with ourselves, and with each other. Genesis 2 verse 22 says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Naked. This kind of nakedness is more than just what happens when you strip down a Barbie doll or her boy toy, Ken. This naked, this buck naked, is emotional. It's about intimacy. It's about openness. It's about being transparent, authentic, and harmoniously connected. There's no walls, there's no secrets, there's no fronts, there's no shame. There's nothing to hide from, there's nothing to cover up, and there's no games. Pretending to be someone to her when you're face to face, but hiding this other part of yourself over here. You get to see this part, you can't see that part. To have that kind of freedom, to be free from that, you can't have true freedom without it. Adam and Eve are naked, and they feel no shame. They're fully exposed, and they're fully known, and they're okay with it. Adam does not need to feel defensive even though God created Eve to be smarter. Eve does not need to feel insecure even though God created Adam to have lower body fat. This is I mean, this is real stuff, though. This is what really gets us at ourself. Adam and Eve were each in good relationship, in perfect connection with their self, with their being, and that's what enabled them to be fully connected to each other. Adam and Eve were connected to God. The umbilical cord was there to give them life. They were connected with creation, they were connected with each other, and they were connected with themselves. Things were right, and there was harmony. You could use the word unity here. And then things went wrong. We screwed it up. First Adam and Eve, and then us, and our sin is the breaking. We vandalized shalom. We have become disconnected. The umbilical cords have been severed. They have been yanked apart. The things that gave us life have been taken away. We've lost what it means to be human. To go back to the metaphor of music, it's as if there was a performer who came up on stage and was singing in perfect harmony. And then there's a four-year-old who comes up behind the master piano and starts pounding on the keys. Where there was harmony, now there's discord. And so we're disconnected from God. Some people deny that he even exists. For the rest of us, at times he feels distance and we don't know what to do with the silence. We're disconnected from creation we were meant to cultivate it we were meant to care for it instead we destroy and exploit it out of greed and life is full of expectations bigger house better grades more athletic are your kids well behaved West Michigan can be a tough place to live and then There's the feeling of being judged, even if maybe someone isn't judging you, and then others of us are doing the judging. And Both are examples of a broken identity, and that's where the anxiety comes from, and the feelings of meaninglessness, and loneliness, and shame. But what hope is there? What's going to fix us? What's going to fix that? Is it more money? Is it more stuff? Is it more books that we need to read? Is it more church? Is it more, 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 more effort? The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is God's plan to fix everything. To heal the broken umbilical cords. The gospel shows us how God is reversing the curse. That brings us back to Ephesians 1, verse 7 through 10. In Him... One of the words that sticks out to me there is the word mystery. Sometimes we use the word mystery to describe what cannot be known. But Paul is actually using the word mystery here in a different way. He's talking about what is being revealed now, what can be known now, that wasn't known before. You see, the Jewish people, uh, the Israelites, always knew that God was going to heal the world, that God was going to fix what was broken, that God was going to make straight what was crooked. They just didn't know how. And what Paul is saying here, what nobody knew, is that Jesus was at the center of God's divine plan. That it would be Jesus who stood at the center through which all things would be united. Jesus brings, Ephesians 1 says, unity to all things on heaven and on earth. Heaven. Sometimes we think of it like an eternal vacation, but... Biblically speaking, heaven is where God's will is done perfectly. Heaven is that place where there is perfect harmony, where there is perfect peace, where there is perfect shalom, where we are able to be fully human. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, if you know it, it says, your will be done on earth, right? As as it is in heaven. Earth is pretty self-explanatory. Unity on heaven and earth means that now there is shalom again here. Heaven sounds a lot like the Garden of Eden. It's a place where God dwells. It's the place where God's will is done perfectly. And it's Jesus that brings it. In Colossians 1 language, it's uh, that Jesus made peace with his blood shed on the cross. Jesus made shalom through his blood shed on the cross. That's the gospel, according to Paul. That's the thing that we put our faith in and our hope in. And to illustrate this just a bit further, I think most of us have probably seen Beauty and the Beast. Is anyone not seen Beauty and the Beast? I hope. Who's seen Beauty and the Beast? Oh, good. I'm worried that they are not showing the kids the good stuff anymore. But uh, you know that at the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, there's a a curse that's put on a a person who was a prince, the one who becomes the beast, and on the castle because of his rebellion, uh, essentially, because of his lack of hospitality to a fairy or something that comes. And uh, the only way that the curse is going to be reversed is if the beast learns to love, right? And to be loved in return. And that's expressed in a kiss. Let's show the clip. The resurrection of one leads to the transformation of everything. Did you notice? Did you ever notice before, I should say, that it's not just the beast that gets to be human again. It's the castle, the, the place that he had dominion over, gets transformed, is made beautiful again. The people whom he ruled over, his subjects, get to put back on, their original form their human flesh the same thing happens in the Bible at the beginning when Adam rebels everything that he has dominion over is put under a curse the gospel the good news is that Jesus is the second Adam in his death but then in his resurrection through one man comes the transformation of all the curse is lifted The umbilical cords get knitted back together. We get to experience peace again. Everything that we've been hoping for comes true when Jesus comes back. Let's pray. God, there is uh, real hope and real power in your death and in your resurrection. And all we can really do is hang on to that. Uh, we have no real ability to even fix what's wrong with ourselves. But we, we put our trust in you. And the best thing that we could do is pr- say praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for uh, having a plan. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for giving us a reason to hope. Uh, Thank you for making us for relationship, not just with each other, but with creation, ourselves, and with you. So God, do in our hearts whatever needs to be done. Stir in us uh, so that hope rises. Build faith in us. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.